0: As we get into our our topic, as we talk here, we're we're going over Uncertain. It's a book that I I wrote, and um, I I just wrote it because in my life, uh, I tend to struggle over which way to go. What do I do when I have a difficult time and challenging time in my life and I thought well i 'm going to write down some of the things that i 'm learning to to help me navigate those difficult times. and so when we got together the first week, i said it 's really important that we start out if we 're facing any kind of uncertainty, and we pray and I know that sounds really simple and it 's kind of like ah, can 't there be something more spiritual or more steps? No, pray, but not just like pray god i 'm not quite sure about what 's going to happen, and I, I could use some help. But to really dig down and pray. And we said that if we could peel back the layer of our uncertainty, what we would find is fear. Because we're afraid because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. I'm, I'm uncertain. And what I like to do, and many people like to do, we want to control what's happening in our lives. And we realize that we can't control the future because we don't know the future and we don't have it all under our own management. And I said, don't just pray, God, I'm not sure about what's going to happen. I don't know. And I'm afraid of, but to peel back the layer of the uncertainty and to peel back the layer of fear. And what you find at the very bottom of all of that is a desire you will find a desire and a longing in your heart that is causing the fear and the uncertainty in your life. And we said, because you and I can't manage our lives on our own, we can't meet every need on our own, and this life is out of our control. We need to place into a God's hands that which only a God's hands could ever hold. And so God says, I'll take that, I'll take your uncertainty, your fear, your worry, your anxiety, I'll take that fear, and I'll take the desire that lies at the very bottom of that, and in his other outstretched hand, he offers us peace. Then the next week when we got together, after we talked about praying, we talked about remembering. We need to remember. And we looked at First Kings chapter 17, verses through 19, and, or chapter 19, and we saw Elijah and just how quickly he forgets the goodness of God in his life. He didn't remember how faithful God was. And I said, if we forget to factor in God's faithfulness into our future, then we're going to fail. If we fail to factor in his faithfulness into the past, we're going to face fear in the future. And so we need to remember God's goodness, that what he has done for me before... He has gotten me to this place that he will see me through now, and he will see me through the future. Because again, I'm not in control. I can't manage what happens next, but he can. So that's, that's where we've been so far. Now, uh, there's, there's this topic of conversation that my wife and I have from time to time, and it kind of revolves around uh, just how bent out of shape I can get when things Aren't really all that great. When when things, I want them to go a certain way, but they don't go the way that I expect them to. I get frustrated or I have pain. I know this is unique to your pastor, and so it may not affect any of you, but I, I just, man, I start to just get frustrated, and within that, I start to stew over that issue, and then I start making life miserable for myself, and I make life miserable for my family, because I want things to work out a certain way. Now, Uh, This has been confession uh, series for me of just saying your pastor doesn't have it all together, but at the same time, I want you to know that there is hope. I've known this now about myself, how I can get frustrated and whenever there's pain in my life, I get worried and I get anxious. And over the years, God has been softening my heart, and he's been whittling away. And so just know, it's not always that bad for your pastor. Uh, things, things can get better for you as well. I've noticed my heart beginning to change, and the responses that I have in those difficult uh, moments uh, changing. Uh, in fact, uh, let me share this. I wasn't planning on sharing it. Uh, case in point, here's an example. Yesterday, I mean, there's always challenging things that happen, but yesterday, my wife Tammy and I uh, we were taking in, no, it was two days ago, we were taking in uh, something from, from the car, and it was a big, heavy box, and we're trying to lift it out of there, and I wear glasses, I don't have them now, I have one contact uh, in this eye, but I wear glasses, and so this big box, I won't say she did it, but it hit me in the face somehow, all right? So it hits me in the face, and my glasses fall off, and they fall on the ground, and the lens pops out, and they get all scratched up. Now, in the past, That would have been a different reaction. This time it was, eh, that's disappointing. And that was it. I was like, I'm doing so much better. Thank you, Holy Spirit. No, you don't need to applaud that. That's a really low bar. (laughs) You don't, like, hey, my pastor didn't throw a fit. (laughs) There's hope for you and for me. But just like there's fear and uncertainty and they go hand in hand, pain and uncertainty go hand in hand as well. They're closely related. And the thing about pain is uh, when I'm in pain, I think about me. Right? I'm thinking about me. I'm thinking about uh, the frustration, the pain that I'm experiencing. I'm thinking about my future, my family. I'm thinking about my money. I'm thinking about my health. It's all about me. It leads to this unhealthy preoccupation on Chris And the result of uh, too much unhealthy occupation on myself is I begin to then overlook God's goodness, not just in the past, but in my present and what he wants to do for the future. So, you know, just focusing on yourself has never really been a good strategy to get through this life. I read an article earlier this week, and it was about depression. And uh, psychologists have been studying the language behind depression, And they discovered that there are three words that people who are depressed use more than any other people. And I bet you can guess what those three words are, me, myself, and I. Those who are depressed, uh, they tend to use first-person singular pronouns more than others. And what the psychologists don't know is whether or not the language that they're using leads to the depression or is it the depression that then leads to the language. That jury is still out for debate, but there is a correlation. And so when you and I just spend so much time and self focus and self-absorbed what begins to happen in our lives, we start to risk missing out on what God has for us in this moment. We could even miss out on the grace that he wants to extend to us right in the middle of the uncertainty and the pain and the challenge. And so in order to look at this, we're gonna open our Bibles again and we're gonna to go to Matthew chapter six, Matthew six. We've looked at Matthew six before but it doesn't hurt to look at it again. In this moment when Jesus is teaching, he's looking out over a group of people who lived in very uncertain times. The Jewish people really were having a difficult time. They, they had challenges when it comes to their finances, they had challenges with the oppression that they were experiencing from the Roman government. They were overtaxed and they were heavily oppressed, and they weren't quite sure about what was going to happen next to them. And as Jesus looks out on all of these faces, just filled with uncertainty and worry about what's going to happen tomorrow, Jesus says, Don't worry. Don't, don't worry. Now let's say, let's say you've got something going on in your life and you have a good friend. You're going to call up your friend and tell them just how worried and anxious and stressed you are. So you, you call them up and you start telling them just how much is going on in your life and how bad it is. And you lay out all of this stuff. And before you even get through all of the challenging things in your life, your friend says, Oh, yeah, yeah, don't worry. You don't need to worry about that. You would think, wait, wait. If you could just hear my whole story, like if you could hear everything that's happening in my life, she said, then he said, and then I've got this pain, and then I'm not really sure about this, if you could just hear my whole story, you would say, oh, no wonder you're so worried. And yet, here is Jesus, he says, don't worry. Like if if I've got issues in my life and I call somebody up and I say, hey, I've got all this going on, they say, yeah, don't worry about it. Or they say, grow up, get over it, man up, Chris. I don't wanna hear that. And here's Jesus and he says to this group of people, yeah, don't worry, don't, don't, don't be anxious. He, he would hear your story, he would hear your drama, he'd hear everything going on in your life and he'd say, yeah, don't worry. I, I know, I know you're worried about paying the rent. I know you're worried about the mortgage. I know you're worried about whether or not you're gonna get the raise. I know you're stressed out about your marriage and whether it's gonna break up or not. But don't worry. Don't be anxious. There's something unique in Matthew chapter six where Jesus says, you, you give me your worry, and I will exchange it for something else. There is a grace that is available to you and to me in the middle of the uncertainty, and that's what we're going to see. Let's check this out. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. Don't worry. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Now, For most of us in this room, this is not an issue for us. We don't wake up in the morning thinking, am I gonna have anything to eat? Will I have anything to wear? That's not our issue. Our issue is, what am I going to eat out of the refrigerator that's filled with food or the pantry that's filled with food? What am I going to wear out of this room that has been created just for my clothes? What will I put on, not do I have anything to put on? We live in a culture, thank God, where we have all of our essentials pretty much met for us. But that doesn't mean that you and I don't have worry. Again, God, I'm not sure. How are we going to make ends meet? How are we going to get the mortgage? Will I get the raise? Are you going to help me and my husband? Are we going to be able to get pregnant? Will that, will that boy ask me out? Will the girl say yes to me? So we've got all this stuff that we worry about and we think about. It consumes our time. It consumes our emotion. And so as Jesus is talking here about worry, realize that he's not just talking about uh, just the essentials, those things that you have to have and he knows that you need, he says you don't even need to worry about the things that are not essential and yet you feel like you have to have them. So the the general overall topic that Jesus is getting to here is all of the consuming energy that you and I give to whatever worry we've got going on in our life. Then he says, is not life more than food? Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? So if you were to take all of your worries, all of your stress and all the challenges, everything that's bugging you right now, and you were to take it and you were to put it in in a suitcase, just pack it all in there, and then you were to take a look at that suitcase from maybe a bird's eye view and you look back at it, it begins to change the perspective of everything that you're consumed and worried by right now. And you say, oh, wow, the, the world's a little bit bigger and there's, there's more people around and there's there's a lot that's happening here in this world. If you were to zoom out even further and go into outer space and look back on your suitcase of worries, the luggage that you have there, you realize, wow, life really is more than what I thought was revolving around me and all of the issues that was weighing on me. It felt like the weight of the world, but man, this world is a whole lot bigger with seven billion people with a whole lot of things going on. So yeah, life is more than oh, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? He goes on, verse twenty six. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. So birds don't have retirement plans. They don't have any 401Ks. And yet our heavenly Father makes sure that all the little birdies have plenty to eat. They have a place to sleep. They they, they don't have needs. God has created a system where all the birds and the animals have what they need. And so Jesus is saying, you, you don't need to worry so much about the how. What you need to be worried about is the who. We we get all consumed and worried about, you know, how how am I gonna make ends meet? How am I gonna make it work for myself? We worry about the how, and Jesus says, no, 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 no. Your heavenly father is the who who takes care of all the the how. And there's something about us as human beings where we tend to look at the how. When things are good, uh, we get like the praise for it. Like when things are good in our life, everything's good because I've been working hard. Uh, I've made this happen. Uh, I've put my energy to this. I'm responsible for the good. But when bad things come into our life, God gets the blame. We get all the praise. God gets all the blame. I mean, we hear this all the time. People will come and they'll say, you know, why is, why is God you know, causing all this bad stuff in my life? I rarely have people come up to me and say, why is God being so good to me? Why is he blessing me? And yet we hear people say, man, why is God so bad? Why does he let bad stuff happen to me? And so Jesus is saying, there is a who that is in charge of taking care of all of the particulars, the smallest of things And we focus on the how and how are we going to accomplish this and make this happen when he says there is a who that we need to be looking to. And then he says, are you, people who've been created in the image of God, are you not of more value than they? Are you, people who created in the image of God, not more valuable than animals? So if God is going to go through all of the trouble of making sure that all the birdies have plenty to eat and the animals have what they need. Don't you suppose the God in the heaven who has breathed the breath of life into you, one who has been created in his image, don't you suppose that God will take care of you? God would say, just as I've taken care of all of the details for all of these animals, I will take care of you. So what are you worried about? And if we were to actually to answer God and not take that as a rhetorical question, we'd say, well, I'm worried about this and this and this and this, and I'm really worried because it used to be like this and it was a whole lot better, and now everything has changed and it's all out of control. And God would be like, bingo, you thought you were in control. You've never been in control. You need to trust me, your heavenly father, who has control of everything down to the smallest bird, down to the smallest detail. You don't need to worry. Verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, now this is interesting because in the King James Version, this verse used to say, now which of you, uh, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? And I've tried that. It it didn't work. I never got any taller. And so, you know, fortunately they've kind of changed this and, and in our translations it says this, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Have you ever come to this realization? If you've come to this realization, it's a, well, duh, kind of moment. Like, yeah, worry has never gotten me anything. Worry is like this treadmill, and it can take a lot of energy, and it can take a lot of time, but it never really accomplishes anything in my life. I can't look back and say, oh, well, thank God I worried about that. Never. In fact, if you want a little project, if you want to apply something from this passage and from this scripture, I would encourage you this week to take two hours out of every day just to worry. Put it in your calendar. Like, Plan it out. Put a little alarm there. 11 to 1. My job today, just worry for two straight hours. I don't care what time you do it. Do it in the evening. Two straight hours. Don't do anything else. Worry. Just worry. Hey, you want to go get lunch? I'm sorry. I'm worrying at that time. I got a job that I'm doing here. You know what you're going to have at the end of next week as a result of all of your worry? You're going to have a family that doesn't want to be around you. Most likely, you'll have an ulcer. That's all you're going to get From worry, which of you, by being anxious and worried and stressed out, is going to fix and solve anything? Verse 28, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Think about all of the emotion. All of the time, all of the energy that we spend on our self-image, worrying about what other people think of us. Have you ever really looked at flowers? I mean, looked and appreciated a lily or, or some other flower. I mean, on our best day, we can't compare to the beauty that God can create. I was thinking about this passage, and I started thinking about this place where we lived in Southern California. It's Carlsbad in Southern California, and in Carlsbad, there's a, a place called uh, the Flower Fields, original name. And it's like, it's 50 acres of flowers on, on this hill. Uh, it's Persian buttercup flowers. I didn't know that was a thing. But you drive by and it's just this rainbow, like a kaleidoscope of beauty. And you look at those kinds of things and you think, man, there, there is nothing compared to the kind of beauty that God creates. And yet we spend so much time on our self-image and what other people think of us. I know I wasted tons of time when I was in junior high and high school. Maybe even now. Thinking about, wow, what are people gonna think about me? Maybe you're stuck there and you're in that place and you're really worried about your image because we live in a culture that's always focused on it, right? You gotta, get the, gotta get the right selfie, kinda angle there, the right light, to, if I can Photoshop something on that to make myself look better. Because that's what the world places emphasis on. And I started thinking, wouldn't it be awesome Like if there was an inner beauty selfie that we could take? If you're wrestling with your image and what other people think of you and it's consuming all of your time, just realize that you can be beautiful on the inside. That, that God can do something in your heart and as that beauty starts from the inside, it begins to shine on the outside. And if you start there, that's where God would have you to be he says, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? And watch this verse, verse 32. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Now, When Jesus refers to the Gentiles here, he's talking about all those people who don't know God. He's talking about people who have no idea who their heavenly father is. Jesus is saying it is those who have no idea who God is that spend all their time worrying about all of this stuff, what they're going to eat, what they're going to wear, all of the worry, all of the stress, what's going to happen in my future. Jesus is saying you've allowed yourself to get back into a corner where all the unbelievers are and all the things that they worry and stress about. My guess is that if you were to make a list of all the worries and cares and concerns that you've got going on in your life right now, and then you compare that list to somebody who doesn't even know God, those lists would look identical. That we would be worried about the same kind of things that the world worries about. We end up spending so much time and emotional energy on those things that we worry about that people who don't even know God worry about. This is why Jesus says and can easily say, don't worry, you know me. You know my heavenly father. And no matter what worry comes your way, I'm there with you. The Gentiles don't know that because they don't have me. You have a leg up, you know me. Friend, wherever you are, in the middle of your anxiety, in the middle of your stress, your worry, your uncertainty. That's where Jesus is. And when you know Jesus Christ, he begins to reframe the way that you are able to navigate the uncertainty in your life in a way that is different than the rest of the world, than people who don't even know who God is. They seek after that stuff. And Jesus now begins to spin it a little bit. And he says, you want something to worry about? (laughs) You want to seek after something? You want something to spend your emotional energy on? Here you go, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. At the top of your concern list should be the kingdom of God. At the top of your list of worries in your life Is the righteousness of God? Is the righteousness of God evident in my life? I'm going to spend a little bit of time focusing my energy on that. Is the kingdom of God first in my life? That will be on the top of my list. And the wonderful thing is when we begin to to take that and put it at the top, all the other stuff that we're worried about, Jesus says, I'm going to take care of that. God wants you to lean into and spend time on his kingdom rather than your kingdom. All the emotional energy and worry and all of that stuff, if you will take that and you begin to move it onto his list, his kingdom, he says, hey, I got you covered, I'm gonna start taking care of your worry list because you have put me first. Seek God, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all the other worries, all the other stuff that you've got going on, weighing you down, making you worried about the future and what might be there, it begins to be taken care of By God Almighty and his kingdom and his power rather than your power. God wants me to take and you to take all that emotional energy that we spend on, oh man, my time, my issue, my health, my money, my raise, all of that, and begin to move it. And you say, God, how can I begin to put your kingdom first and leverage all that I am and all that I have for you and for your kingdom to seek the kingdom of God? That means we are going to take a look at his agenda Here's the the point I want to make for us today. If you will seek God's kingdom first, he will take care of your kingdom. If we seek his kingdom first, he will take care of your kingdom. You see, there there is a grace available to you and I when we begin to move all of our emotional energy and focus off of our self-absorbed, selfish lives and begin to move it into the direction of his kingdom. That we would seek his kingdom first and then we would trust him to supply all the other needs and problems and issues that we've got going on, all of the uncertainty if you will seek what God is up to. I'm telling you, if you start seeking God, he'll reveal it. He is passionate about his kingdom. Do you you know what God is consumed with? He is consumed with people coming into his kingdom. He is consumed with people knowing who he is. He is. And having a relationship with him and giving him the glory and the honor that he deserves he's all about that and the reason that i can say that god is all about his kingdom and in fact god is all about himself and you might say well that's pretty pretty self-confident of him what other god would you want him to serve Whatever God would you want him to put first, of course he's gonna elevate himself and saying, I'm looking for all glory from all mankind, from you and from the world because I've moved in their direction. I can tell you that God is all about his kingdom because when we screwed this little kingdom up that we had with sin in the garden, God began to move in our direction so that he would take our screwed up, dark, sinful kingdom and then invade it with his kingdom. Because of that sin, he says, I'm going to send you my son. And he's all about people knowing his son. Otherwise, he wouldn't have sent him, Because heaven is a pretty awesome place. But his son would come in this direction into kingdoms that were messed up and people who are filled with themselves and selfishness and my worry and my stuff and my time and all about me. And he would move in our direction. And he would die on a cross And God's all about people knowing his son, Jesus Christ, otherwise he wouldn't have allowed him to die on the cross. It's not just like a a nice story because he could tell a different kind of nice story. He's all about people knowing his son, Jesus Christ, and the sacrifice that it took to move in our direction, to forgive us of our sins, so that we would remove off of the throne of our life and say, wow, this whole world is about me, and we would step off that throne as Lord of our life, we would put him on the throne of our life, and we would say, it's all about you, it's all about your kingdom and what you want to do in my life. God, I will seek your kingdom first. God, it is your righteousness In me. And when you and I begin to move in that direction, all these other little things on our concern list, those begin to melt away. The greatest tragedy for a Christian would be to curl up in a fetal position, afraid of the future, afraid of bearing the name of Jesus Christ, and evangelizing. Telling people that there is a God in heaven who knows them and loves them and longs for them to be in his kingdom. Jesus says, I can take care of all the birds and all the animals. I can easily take care of you. I can easily do that. But you need to move in my direction. I'd be concerned about what is on my heart. What if you and I were that kind of believer? Somebody who, like, really believed that. And with all of the, the challenges and uncertainty in our life, that we would face it with a a confidence that God is with us, a calm certainty that God is moving and God will care for us. He is on our side. And I believe that's the kind of example that a, a world who is hungry to know that truth is looking for because they see enough people who are self-absorbed. They see enough people who are like worried about what tomorrow holds, but they have yet to see the people of God to begin to move in a confident direction of our God is with us and we are seeking his kingdom over our kingdom. See, in our uncertainty, it's not as if God is inactive. No, he is very active, more active than ever before. He is able to take care of all of those concerns. Now, this doesn't mean that you and I Have to hide away from any of the fears Or the worries that we might have No, let's go ahead and embrace those things It just means that we don't have to be buried Under an avalanche of self-concern Self-worry and selfishness It means that we can take these things And we can begin to move in his direction In fact, I would encourage you to go ahead And just own all of the fear And all of the worries and challenges That you've got right now Go ahead and put them in that luggage You grab that suitcase Move in the direction of Jesus Christ And say, I'm here Lord to put you first and to seek your righteousness. It's at that moment he says, I've been waiting for that, I'll take your luggage. I'll take all of your worry, all of the concerns, all of the needs that you have, and I will meet them for you. But seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all that other stuff, that'll be added to you. Imagine what happens in our lives when the pages that are being written in our life and the chapter of our lives become that kind of story. You think about the amazing stories that we've heard in the past and that we read in the scripture. Those have happened because people in the middle of uncertainty have dared to say, God, this isn't about me. And in fact, Lord, I don't even know what tomorrow holds, but I do know one thing, that if there is any way that you can take the uncertainty, the challenge, the disease, whatever is happening in my life right now, and leverage it for your kingdom, I'm all about that. (laughs) Because I'm all about your kingdom. I mean, page after page that we find in the Bible, those those accounts are, are written in the Bible, not the uncertainty for the person. It's been written in Scripture for people that would hear about it and read about it so that we might be able to march boldly into the future with the confidence that God's in control. I will seek his kingdom first and his righteousness. The circumstances you're facing right now, no different than theirs. But your uncertainty and your challenges, they're not just about you. They're about your heavenly father who longs to leverage your life to reveal himself as glorious so that you would put his kingdom first and his righteousness so that others will come to know his son, Jesus Christ. Maybe as a result of just kind of thinking about the uncertainty that you have and it's gonna creep up, what if if we could tuck away some verses in our mind and when that uncertainty and worry comes up which is gonna pull on us to call us to be selfish and self-absorbed, maybe we could commit to memory some verses Maybe you wanna memorize what we read here in Matthew six twenty-seven, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? Or Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In Matthew six thirty-three, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things, They'll be added to you. Let's pray. Father, we recognize that in this life, every single one of us face difficulty and challenge and pain. And and the challenge just for me, Father, is to think about myself and to be self-consumed and to forget who you are and what you want to do in my life. I pray for myself and all my friends in this room who are in the middle of a challenge right now whether it's something that is physical or emotional or spiritual, maybe it's at work, maybe it's at school, whatever that challenge is for my brother or sister, I pray, Lord, that we would seek you out in prayer and that we wouldn't just say, God, I'm a little bit worried about the future. No, that we would unpack that. We would talk about what it is that we're really afraid of and underneath that we would discover what we truly desire and that we would come to you to meet that need, to meet that desire because we're not in control and we can't fix ourselves. And Lord, that we would be Confident in our memory of all that you have done, all that you have been faithful to. You have brought us to this point. You will see us through this moment and you will see us into the future and you can be trusted and we will seek you. We will put you first. We will put you ahead of ourselves so that your kingdom might come, that your will might be done in our lives just as it is in heaven, in your kingdom. Lord, help us in the middle of these challenges to live with a certain faith.